Welcome to ISKCON Dallas. ISKCON means the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And Krishna is a name for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. God is defined in the Vedanta Sutra, one of the literatures, the scriptures that we follow, as the origin, our original divine source, that from whom everything else emanates. And furthermore, he's described as a person, as you would assume from the title of the personality, the supreme personality of Godhead, who's full of all the characteristics that you would imagine in a person, except that he's an unlimited person with unlimited compassion and love for everyone. And he's also omniscient and omnipotent. So that's the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. It was founded by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The purpose of disseminating the knowledge and practice through which anyone can come closer to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And so I first, before proceeding, offer my respects to my spiritual master, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, and to all of you, because you are Vaishnavas and also lovers of God in your own way, and therefore you are very dear to the Lord. So tonight is a special occasion because the three devotees who have been practicing Krishna consciousness for many years are moving ahead in their process of Krishna consciousness. One of the aspects of Krishna consciousness is sacred initiation. Initiation really means to accept the supremacy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and also to take some vows in worshiping him, accepting the name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead as sacred is the first initiation. We call this Harinam because in the theology of Krishna consciousness, there's no difference between the name of God and God himself. And therefore, when you say Krishna's names, you're directly associating with Krishna. And really, the purposefulness of someone who takes to this first initiation is that they're worshiping the names and they're adjusting their lifestyle so that they can do so in deeper and deeper ways. Avoiding many of the complications of life. For instance, uh, one of the complications that arises quite frequently for people in the world is intoxication, uh, which, generally speaking, makes you stupid and makes you do stupid things. And um, that wastes a lot of time and creates a lot of compl- more complexities than, we, than, than one need have. And there are other ways in which uh, 
those who go into Harinam initiation, the first initiation, accept guidance for organizing their lives in certain ways so they can be really focused on prayer. And the main prayer is to repeat the name of God and be deeply absorbed in the feeling of of worshiping God through his name. There's also, on the first initiation, an acceptance of a name, uh, Das or Dasi. In Sanskrit, this means a servant. So for women, it's Dasi, and for men, it's Das. And they'll accept a name from a spiritual teacher that is a name of Krishna. He has many names. And that way, someone would be, for instance, called Krishna Das. Perhaps beforehand, they would be named Phil. And then afterwards, they would take the name Krishna Das. And this is also another way of remaining close to the holy name and reminding oneself that I'm a servant of the Supreme. And also those who take the, the Hari Nam initiation, Hari means is a name of Krishna and Nama means name. So Hari Nam initiation also includes chanting the names every day in a regulated fashion, which means to count how many times you're doing it. This is called uh, Sankhya Purvaka, or numerical strength, because the nature of the mind is to accept something and then a few days later, a few months or years, to taper off and uh, reject it. So those who are taking Harinam initiation have been vetted by their teachers, to see that they're very steady and that they're, they intend to continue chanting. And one remains steady at chanting at least uh, what we call here 16 rounds on a set of uh, chanting beads that we use to count how many times we're chanting the Maha Mantra, which is essentially names of God. Then... Uh, there's 108 beads, and on each bead you would chant one Maha Mantra. And then you go all the way through the 108 beads, you turn around and go the other direction and come back. And if you do that 16 times, that means that uh, you've chanted 16 rounds. Generally, such a uh, an undertaking would be around, uh, be a, about a an hour and 45 minute investment of time out of 24 I'm assuming you get the same here in Dallas as we do back in California so that's a, that's a uh, an investment a major investment especially if you do it every day anything that you do every day may seem insignificant at first but then after maintaining it for some time, it will seem perhaps onerous to keep it up because life changes, doesn't it? However, if you keep that placeholder and you make that a major function every day, chanting, then as described by one of the great teachers of bhakti, one 
will see for him or herself the purification that comes from repeating the name of God. And will also develop a kind of personal communion with God, with Krishna. Actually, one of those teachers is named Rupa Goswami. And he has written a concise book about the practice of bhakti yoga. And in it he describes the chanting of the mantra as I'm describing the practice, the daily chanting. And he says that it's like taking medicine when you have jaundice. For those of you who have lived in Texas all your life, I doubt that you've ever had jaundice or seen it. But if you've lived in India for some time, or know others that have, you you might know somebody who's had jaundice. I recently saw somebody with jaundice when I was in India a couple years ago, and he turned yellow. Literally, everything about him was yellow. The other symptom is that sweet things taste bitter. It's it's an overproduction of bile in your system that turns you yellow and makes everything taste bitter. Anyone here? Experience? Okay. (laughs) So, one of the curatives for this disease, jaundice, is to take sugarcane juice. It helps relieve the the symptoms and apparently helps diminish the the disease itself. Although such things are always debatable, but the the fact is that that's the prescription and it appears to work. So when you take the sugarcane juice, which is a very sweet beverage, it tastes bitter and you may not even like to take it. But Rupa Goswami says keep taking it because as you do, and your disease diminishes, then you'll start to taste the sweetness for yourself. And he compares this to the practice of chanting the names of God in such regular fashion as I'm describing, that in the beginning, for instance, you might start your chanting, and then your mind might suggest some other activity. Like what might it suggest? Give me the most obvious ones first. Starts with an F. Facebook, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, because the the mind's attracted to bright, shiny things and lots of variety. And it also develops patterns over time. Whatever kinds of ways you engage your mind uh, develops a a habit pattern in your mind. And you might, your mind might be addicted to certain kinds of activities, looking at certain things and so forth. So when you, Focus your mind. You won't know that uh, your mind is as strong as it is until you try to focus it. Just as much as, hopefully this is an appropriate um, analogy for here in Texas, if if you were to get yourself a horse, (laughs) anyone, and it was a wild horse, if you just got on the horse and let it go any, any way where it wanted to go, if actually you could stay on it, Uh, then you wouldn't notice the the strength of the horse. But if you wanted the horse to go any specific place and you asked it to do so and it was not trained yet, you might find that the horse was a lot stronger than you thought and it has its own will. 
So in a similar way, when those who are practicing Krishna consciousness regulate their minds towards meditating on the names of God, they do find that there's a bit of a pull in the other direction. And it can be uh, towards many different activities or objects and so forth. So it takes practice. However, Rupa Goswami assures us that as you continue the practice, you'll find that the mind becomes satisfied by hearing the transcendental vibration of the names of God. And gradually, one overcomes the disease. So what is that disease? He describes it as avidya. Uh, So roughly translated in English, it means ignorance. Ignorance can also be um, pronounced ignorance. That means uh, I become accustomed to ignoring God in my life. Thinking about myself and all my other activities, I nary a thought do I give to my original divine source, who's my best friend. So... um, Krishna also says in the Bhagavad Gita that the mind can be the best friend or the worst enemy. So in this state of being unruly and untrained, the mind can be the the worst enemy. But when one learns to fix one's mind on Krishna, especially by chanting the holy names and listening and praying as one chants and one begins to develop a taste, then the mind becomes more fascinated with hearing the holy names of God than any other thing, any other activity. And this is a sign, according to our teachings, of recovering spiritual health. You actually develop a taste for hearing God's names and chanting them. So this is a description of of one of the milestones that are defined here here in the Krishna consciousness movement for those who are taking up the practice of bhakti, especially chanting the names of God, an individual practice is recommended. That means that you take it up uh, even at home, even as you're doing your work and so forth. Not necessarily that you have to do it while you're doing your work, but at least every day taking some time to do your chanting and develop that relationship with Krishna through the chanting and actually feel for yourself that uh, reciprocation that you get from Krishna because as he describes in the Bhagavad Gita, he's within every one of our hearts. And it's not that he's ever inattentive at all. He's vitally interested in us, and when I give even the slightest indication that I'm interested in him, he reciprocates in ways that uh, we cannot even now imagine. This he describes in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita when he says, Tesham satata yuktanam vajatam purvakam vidami buddhiyogam tam yenamam upayantite. That is Krishna's statement that if you approach me with love, then I'll reciprocate within your heart. And I will 
facilitate our relationship as you approach me. So, after one's accepted first initiation and been steady in the process of chanting and following some of the other tenets of Krishna consciousness, then there are, there is a second initiation, which we call mantra or mantra diksha. Diksha, uh, these are Sanskrit words because the tradition comes from from the Vedic culture, which is uh, mainly presented in Sanskrit, some in Bengali also. But this word means uh, divya jnana, uh, diksha. Uh, divya means divine and jnana means knowledge. It's described in the Vedic literatures, divyam jnanam yato dadyat kurvat papasya sankshayam tasma dikshati yadveshti that by taking up the process of diksha, one comes to the position of divyam jnanam yato dadyat kurvat papasya sankshayam and this uh, divyam jnanam, meaning being in situated in divine knowledge, means that one is directed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, both through the scriptures and from within the heart, and also externally through one's spiritual guides. And one is then, therefore, able to overcome uh, the anomalies that arise from uh, being in ignorance and working against one's own interests. And it's described also as a transformational process. The process itself, called vidanena, means that you've taken up the process as it's recommended in the scripture. And therefore there's, by following that, according to the will of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, there's a natural transformation that takes place. A very interesting analogy is given there about how uh, ordinary metal might be turned into gold through a process which is apparently unknown to people in the, in the modern age. <laughs> but it was ostensibly understood by people in bygone ages that by a certain uh, chemical process they could transform bell metal, ordinary metal, into gold. And by the way, you can, in my classes, it's okay to turn your phone on and keep the ringer on. As long as we have an understanding that if your phone goes off in the class, you have to buy a Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> It'll cost you $10. So I do encourage you to turn your phones on and keep the ringer on, if you all agree. Agreement? It takes silence as an as an agreement. <laughs> so, Vivan, you'll enforce, okay? If somebody's phone goes off, you have to collect $10. Okay? So, the second initiation means that one takes uh, these prayers, they're personal prayers that actually have been passed down through many generations. Mantra means a kind of a prayer. 
And in fact, the main, one of the main prayers is called Gayatri. Gaya means to sing. And three comes from Triate, which means to deliver. So through the, the song of prayer, which connects one to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one is delivered from the material world and from ignorance. So those who are taking initiation on the second time, that they take these uh, special prayers that have been passed down through many generations, and they will um, repeat them at certain times of the day to deepen their meditation and relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And those who take up the second initiation also uh, can enter into the process of archana, which means uh, worshiping the deity in the temple, which is an integral part of the process of bhakti yoga. The form of the Lord, um, as some wonder about what is, how is it that you have a form of the Lord that is apparently made of material elements. However, the the form is actually described in Scripture, and the process also is described in Scripture, exactly how to worship the form of the Lord. And a modern-day example that my guru, Srila Prabhupada, used to give on the efficacy of such process is that when you mail a letter, you have to address it properly, and you also have to use what other implement on the letter? Stamp. And now in England, I found out, you also have to put the stamp right side up, because I was sending postcards from there, and I was in a hurry, and I put a few of the stamps, which is an image of the queen, upside down, and the devotees told me that won't go because you didn't do it right. And so I put it right side up. And then one would have to find a box to put it in, right? And any box will do, is that correct? Okay. Which kind of box would you recommend? Authorized post box. So in a similar way, so if, if, if you address it properly, you put the right stamp, follow the process, and put it in the box, then the letter will go. Of course, in America, it will go slowly. <laughs> but the fact is, it will go. And in a similar way, there's a prescribed method, that a way in which Krishna extends himself to us here in this world, because my senses are not purified, and therefore he extends himself to us in a form that we can see now. And the process of deity worship means coming closer to God through his form and developing a loving sentiment towards him and seeing his form and worshiping him in that way. So that's included also in second initiation. And those who have taken these vows find a kind of exhilaration because uh, once one extends oneself and decides that I'm going to do something, then heaven and earth move by such a, a, a strong will to practice. 
until one's actually determined and, and takes a stand and makes a vow, then one can change one's mind or one can vary one's practice at any time. But for those who dedicate themselves through this process, they, they find that there's a kind of um, reciprocation that comes f- from Krishna from within the, within the heart. That as he says in the Bhagavad Gita, does Krishna, Yeyatam mam prapadyante tamstataiva bhajami aham mama vart manuvartante manusha parta sarvasha. That is, that as one surrenders to me or uh, gives himself to me, then I reciprocate. I reciprocate. And so as I mentioned earlier, Krishna is never inattentive. He's always waiting for us to turn our attention towards him. And today, in this uh, ceremony that we'll be having a little bit later outside, in which these devotees will be accepting a second initiation, will be uh, very demonstratively, you know, indicating their accepting of the the vows of se- of second initiation. And so, the Krishna consciousness movement includes this process of initiation, but it's not absolutely required for everyone. Uh, the chanting of the the Names of God is not bound by initiation. In other words, anyone, anywhere, can repeat the divine names of God and feel that connection with the Supreme. And this was the main purpose of the original founder of the Krishna Consciousness Movement, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who taught the simple process that anyone can take to in this age in order to feel connected to the Supreme, which is the repetition of the divine names of God. In fact, he spent time in South India going from one village to the next and teaching people to come together to chant Hare Krishna and come together with their family members. And he brought out sections from the ancient scriptures of India to show people that actually this is the prescribed method for the current age that we're in to make advancement spiritually is to chant. And so now, I'm, we'll take a little time to chant the mantra together in what we call Sankirtan, which is a kind of group a prayer. So I'll say the mantra out loud, I'll sing it, and then everyone else, after you hear me sing it, can repeat it back. And we'll go in a call and response fashion to chant the, the um, what is called the Maha Mantra together. So it has three words. Hare, Krishna, and Rama. And so the, the mantra altogether says, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And as a phrase, of course it's, it's written in Sanskrit in the vocative form, and that means that you're calling out, really, expressing yourself. Just like if you walk by any high school here in Dallas or in the Bay Area, and you listen to what the high school students are saying, they'll be saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Because that's what they say all day long. 
and like, like, oh my God, like, oh my God. But this, oh my God, <laughs> this is actually, it's kind of a vocative phrase. They're just saying, oh my God. Uh, and the Hare Krishna mantra is like that too. I'm calling out. And this is actually the, the, the most uh, edifying of all things that human beings do is call out to God. In fact, most people wait for an excuse to do it when uh, something really scary happens, perhaps. Have you ever had this experience? That you're cruising along and you figure everything's okay? And maybe even subconsciously you could think, well, what do I need God for? I'm so smart, I got everything together. I have a full refrigerator. I've got gas in the car. I've got lots of money in the bank. And uh, I don't give one thought to my either my existential situation in this world or to my relationship with God when I'm feeling satisfied and everything's going well. Any um, thought about that? Agreement, disagreement? Three people? So there's a way in which uh, when, when I'm in the most dire of circumstances, has anybody ever been in dire circumstances in this life? Four people, every day. <laughs> anyway, someone said every day, and four other people responded. Any of the other of you ever been in dire? Does any of a dictionary you want to look up dire? Yes? Okay, we have hands raised. I mean, I was once walking with my father when I was a kid uh, on a backpacking trip, and I was sucking on a lozenge, and I stepped in a hole. I was behind him, and the lozenge went in my throat, and I started choking. I couldn't even make a sound. He finally turned around somehow, rather, and picked me up by my feet and you know shook me upside down until it came out. But in a few seconds I was there, I, I realized that I was helpless, that in any moment, uh, that actually my breath was a gift. Every breath that I'm getting is a gift. The other day... I was taking an afternoon nap, take a nap every afternoon for 17 minutes. And I don't know about you, but when I'm waking up from a nap, often there's kind of an ethereal space between the time when I was sleeping and I'm coming back into consciousness. Some people say it's, they call it like a thin, thin space, where I'm kind of aware that I'm, I'm actually sitting in a body, but I'm not actually the body. So I was coming out of my nap, and I was lying on my left side. And I not only felt my heart beating, but I became very aware of it. And then I had a conversation with my heart. And I said, thank you very much for all the work you're doing and that you've done for many years. I never really took the time to thank you. And my heart answered back and said, well, you're quite welcome, but I'm doing this out of duty. And please keep in mind that I could be asked to stop at any minute. And when I swung my legs over and my feet touched the floor, I was in a different mood. 
because it was profound conversation that I had with my heart. And the realization that I had was that every second is a gift that's coming from Krishna. And oftentimes I forget this because of my absorption, as the Srimad Bhagavatam says, in my life situation. It says, Bhayam Dvitiya Binibeshatasyad. I become absorbed in my current state of affairs, which might include what? Name three things. Your life situation, current state of affairs that you might be absorbed in. One of them should include paying taxes to the IRS. <laughs> what are the other two? I gave you a free space. Eating, okay. And what? Household duties. There are a lot of duties to do, and one can very possibly become very absorbed in them and to such an extent that one doesn't even think about one's relationship with Krishna. However, when there are dire circumstances, all those things seem insignificant, and one might have a moment of clarity, or what we sometimes call a teachable moment. In fact, there's even a saying that describes this, that there are no atheists in foxholes. You know what a foxhole is? Raise your hand if you don't know what a foxhole is. Raise your hand if you do know what a foxhole is. And anybody who didn't raise their hand either time. Okay. During uh, wartime, the infantry, those are the soldiers who go out onto the battlefield themselves. Uh, oftentimes they're in a flat area where they're under fire. And they have to learn how to dig a little entrenchment and get down in it so that they're a little bit lower than the bullets flying over their head. And this is called a foxhole. This would be perhaps a dire situation. Would you agree? Yeah. Because you're aware that at any second I can be I can be hit, seriously injured or killed. And so there's this saying arose that there's no atheists in foxholes. Once you are under such uh in such a stressful situation, it's very natural then to call out Oh my God. So if one can develop that presence of mind that actually I'm in this world very temporarily and that I'm fully dependent on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, when one chants the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and sings like that, one will find communion immediately with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So... Uh, it's not a matter of conjuring anything or artificially adjusting one's mind. It's actually reality, that condition. The other idea that I'm fine and nothing's ever going to happen, I may die, but it's not going to be for another perhaps two million years, that's illusory. Would you agree? Thank you. So Queen Kunti, who's one of the saints of our tradition, Said, Janmaishvarya Shruta Shribira Eda Mana Mada Puman, Naivarhat Yavidatum by Twamakinchanagotra. She said, If you're preoccupied with your material assets, for instance, she said, If you have a lot of wealth and you think I'm okay because I have wealth, or you're learning and you think I'm really smart and I'm academically trained or whatever, in whatever other way, and you think this is a, a, such a great asset, or I'm very beautiful, 
and you become preoccupied with that, it's very easy to forget this dependence you have on God. Therefore, she recommended that the simple and universal way of connecting to the Supreme is to remember that we're actually what she called akinshana. Would everyone please say that phrase? Akinshana. So kinshana means something in Sanskrit. And when you put an A in front of a word, uh, many times in Sanskrit it reverses the meaning. So if kinshana means something, what does akinshana mean? Who would be? Not something. It means basically I don't have anything. I don't have any asset. Or one could say I'm helpless. So if in a helpless state of mind or feeling that I have no asset, in fact, everything that I have, whatever apparent asset I, I have is, is loaned to me, including, as I just pointed out from my conversation with my heart, the, uh, even the very body that I have now is on, well, I wouldn't say lease, but I shouldn't say that, should I? Why shouldn't I say it's on lease? Because I never got any lease papers. I mean, I looked in the car <laughs> and asked my mother before she passed away. She said, no, you didn't get any. There's no lease guarantee on, on our stay within this body. It can go at any time. Although I think that's another uh, uh, aspect of illusion and thinking that I'll stay here forever in this body, and I'm protected in various ways. So if one can shed those misconceptions, even for a moment, and with one's heart call out in a state of helplessness or feeling akinshana when one sings the names of God, uh, then the saint, Kunti Devi, the queen, said that the, the chanting will be immediately effective when you chant in that state of mind. And it doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is, what your religious beliefs are. He said, this is a universal truth of our connection to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If we call out helpless, in a state of helplessness, calling for, for help, and that please let me be a servant, then uh, we'll, we'll feel that connection that we're always looking for. So shall we try it? Four people said yes, so the rest of you, please cover your ears. Or you can go in the other room and wait, and we'll come and get you when we're done. I'll need help with this for sure. Is everyone comfortable? Okay, so if you're not comfortable, feel free to, you know, you can stand up and stretch before we chant or readjust how you're sitting. But it's nice to feel a little bit comfortable while we chant. Uh oh. Before I start, what we call, what I described to you and uh, the Hare Krishna mantra, I'm going to say a prayer to my spiritual master and also to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the one who gave us the practice of chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. And then I'll begin with the, the Maha Mantra itself, and I'll, I'll sing it out, and then everyone can repeat, okay? Nama Om Vishnu Padaya 
Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasari Gauravaktavinda And now I'll sing the Hare Krishna mantra alone and then after I finish please uh, repeat and just sing back in the same tune that I sing. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 
This is uh, the uh, what is called Sankirtan, and it's uh, 
the practice of singing the names of God. It's most recommended for everyone in this age. And if anyone wants to take up the practice, uh, they can do it very easily anywhere. Uh, it does tend to get on the nerves of your neighbors, as we've discovered in international circumstances all over the world, especially if you start early in the morning. But that can always be amended. Um, but it's highly recommended by by the Shastra, the scriptures, and also by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and those who practice the kirtan. And today uh, we have three devotees who are taking second initiation. And they've been practicing uh, Krishna consciousness diligently for some time. And just after this, we're going to have a, a sacred fire ceremony out in the garden. I haven't actually been out there yet, but I hear there's a special place there. And um, I'm going to, just now, to be in the spirit of the ceremony, to give these certificates to the three who have uh, who are taking initiation today for the second time. And the first one is Kalindi Devi Dasi, who um, I actually... How are you <laughs> Who I happen to have met here in Dallas about 10 years ago. <laughs> Remarkably, it's been 10 years already. And who's uh, distinguished herself amongst... Um, Devotees everywhere. It's a very steady person who has a very uplifting attitude in life. We thank you very much for coming in our midst because you've affected a lot of us very deeply by your practice and especially me. And therefore, um, on this day, with um, the deepest of thanks to your illustrious family, headed by uh, your husband, Barry, that um, has been so supportive over all these years. We we um, very happily award you the second initiation into the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya with the distinction of, of being a, a Brahmana practitioner who will be also eligible for all of the rights and privileges of the priestly order of the Hare Krishna movement. So if you'll please come up and receive your certificate, then the devotees here can acknowledge you. First, offer obeisances. So on this day of, of Kalindi Devi Dasi's initiation, I make a prayer that she always may feel inspired from within her heart to worship the Lord 24 hours a day, always thinking of Him and setting an example uh, for others. And that... Um, her devotional practice is enthused by this second initiation. Everyone who agrees with these ideas in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. And uh, Naima Sharanya Prabhu, who has become a leader in the Sankirtan movement, 
we recognized uh, leadership in him from the very beginning. But he's uh, distinguished himself by his steadiness and the practice of Krishna consciousness, his ability to overcome any kind of uh, complexity in life through a spiritual intelligence. And it was taken a role in expanding the the Sankirtan movement, especially here in uh, Dallas, Texas, in significant ways. For instance, uh, taking charge of the Sankirtan party here. Um, You and your family have uh, uh, been beacons of light here in the Krishna consciousness movement. You represent the next wave of of, uh, solid leadership for the Krishna consciousness movement. And we thank you and your illustrious wife, Gopika, for assisting and for your um, very bright and, I must say, humorous children who crack me up (laughs) for their uh, abundant enthusiasm. I had the fortune of spending part of the day with them today and found them to be... um, Ebullient. <laughs> Had to find the right word. <laughs> so, Naimisharanya Prabhu, um, we make a prayer here today that Lord Chaitanya may continue to empower you to spread the Sankirtan movement, to, to, to take up more and more leadership role, to take responsibility for others, to oversee the movement, to be a great example of one who's steady both in doing his duties and uh, to the family to the society and at the same time uh, vigorously pushing on the christian consciousness movement altogether uh, nothing less than a herculean effort putting all those things together but this is what a second initiation really means uh, it means many things but that's one of the things that it means so with love in my heart i pray that uh, you, all of the, these benedictions i've just uttered may uh, come true. And anyone who agrees with this in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. Krishna. So please come forward and you receive this certificate. Basically proof of purchase <laughs> with no refund. Hare Krishna. Rupa Sagar Prabhu, who uh, never ceases to amaze me, who has um, a very um, powerful relationship with his wife, Madhavi. They have uh, established in Austin, Texas, a vibrant community of devotees, and it's expanding at a, a rapid rate. And perhaps for Dallas, it could be an alarming rate. Because they could soon overtake the uh, the Sankirtan party here, from my estimation. Uh, Rupa Sargar Prabhu has been in Krishna consciousness his whole life and has become more and more serious about practicing. And I find it a, a, my great fortune to have come in contact with you, be a part of your spiritual practice. And I extend myself wholeheartedly to you and your journey uh, the greatest journey of all, back home, back to Godhead, in whatever way I can uh, help you. And so one of the ways is today bestowing upon you 
this a second initiation, which was given to me also. By the way, this includes the giving of the mantras, which we did earlier. And uh, I prayed that you may be empowered by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, by Srila Prabhupada, all the great Acharyas, to always keep your mind fixed on the Supreme Personality of Godhead, strict in your vows, and that you become a great leader in the Krishna consciousness movement. And everyone who agrees with these uh, thoughts and ideas, uh, in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. Rupa Sagar Prabhu, if you please come up here, I've prepared a certificate for you, uh, which is um, declaring your um, second initiation in the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya with all rights and privileges thereof. Hare Krishna. Shishi Radha Kalachanji Kijai, Shishi Gorni Tai Kijai, Jai Jagannath Paladev Subhajaji Kijai.